One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping that you had a lovely bank holiday weekend. The weather wasn't exactly what we would want it for a bank holiday. And it's a bit miserable again for this week, which is a little bit unusual because normally we start the state exams in blistering sunshine and we talk about it being exam weather. So it doesn't look like for the young students who will be sitting their exams tomorrow for the junior cert students, their first ever state exam. And for the leaving cert uh, students, they've done it for junior cert. Now they need to do it one last time for leaving certain it could be a trying and a nervous time as well and it, when the sun is splitting the rocks outside you sometimes think is that more difficult for the students so it doesn't look like certainly for this week the first week of the exams they're going to get that uh, good weather if you have an exam student in the house we will offer some words of advice after half past 12 today on the programme uh, Joe Heffernan will join us just to talk about how to keep it all calm you know it's just uh, and breathe and for everyone to just be nice and relaxed Relaxed. And it's important for everyone in the household, I think, to be nice and relaxed today. It is a nerve wracking event in a young person's life. We, Most of us all went through it and we all survived it. And we look back and we think, did we really need to be as worried as we were? But it's hard to get that message across to young people. So anything we can do to help the young person, anything the family members can do and the mammy and daddy will have uh, words of advice a little bit later on. But we wish the best of luck to everybody uh, about to embark on their exams uh, tomorrow. Now, also coming up on the programme today, a lovely story. And I won't give too much away. We'll let the, we'll let the man himself tell us a little bit about it uh, later on. There was just a gorgeous story that broke over the weekend to do with a bus driver who I think went above and beyond and just showing great kindness. And it's just, it, it to me, sums up, you know, what we, the Irish, when we're, when we're, what we're good at, we're good at being kind and we're good at being kind to other people. And if we see somebody in need or in a bit of a pickle or in a bit of bother, we'll be the first ones in to say, what can we do? How can we help out? And that's what this gentleman, and he is a gentleman, that's what he did at the weekend. And he, we get him to share the story of the elderly woman who just got on the wrong bus on uh, Friday. It really is absolutely uh, delightful. We're going to ask, is it, is now the time to start talking about a nationwide ban on election posters. We had the discussion in the run-up to the local elections and the European elections and we had people, I won't say divided, I think in the main we had people against election posters. Most people don't like them. Now we will have people and the argument again we had at this time for first-timers who are running in an election, they need to get their name and their face out there and that's the best way to do it. But then there's a cost associated to it. And then you've people, you've the bigger parties been able to spend more money. So is, is that unfair on, say, independents who mightn't be able to spend as much money as the larger parties can spend? So is the fairest way just get rid of all the posters completely and have 
like a place in the town centre where you would have some kind of hoarding would go up and every candidate running would be able to put up one poster all the same size. You could either put a picture of yourself on it or you could outline what you're standing for. But keep it so that everyone is the same from the very big party right down to the independents. Would that be a fair way of uh, doing it? Are do people like the idea of the election posters? They're very much part and parcel of the tradition of Irish elections. We've always had posters and therefore there are some people that like to keep with the tradition the way we did it in our father's time and in our grandfather's time. Keep doing it that way. But I think the important thing is to we have the discussion now while we don't have an election. Now some will say would you go away Patricia there's a general election looming there's a general election around the corner. It could happen any time and of course it could happen any time but while, while there hasn't been an election called should we be having the conversation? So your thoughts welcomed on that. If we were in the morning, say, to have a plebiscite or a referendum on the banning of posters, what way would you vote? Would you be against, get rid of the posters for once and uh, for all? Yet another invalid planning application for the new school campus that is so badly needed uh, in the town of uh, Carrigtool. People living there have been screaming out for new schools and because of the condition of the schools and the overcrowded nature some of the schools were into prefabs or even into situations where local children can't get access to a school place because the schools are so uh, overcrowded. There had been a planning application that was turned down because there was errors in it so there was a new planning application submitted then we heard at the back end of last week that that has also uh, been um, uh, invalid because of something wrong with the planning which just is not good enough. So we'll chat about that. We're also going to talk about the final episode of the TV, the HBO TV series Chernobyl. I don't know how many people have been watching uh, this. It's been running for the last, this is week five. It's been a five week uh, series that tells the story of what happened to Reactor 4 on that uh, night in April, 26th of April 1986, when there was an explosion. And the programme literally if you watched it from the first episode, it starts with the explosion. So it's not, you know, it's kind of a little bit like the Titanic. You know, the boat is going to sink. If you're going to do a programme on Chernobyl, you know that there's going to be um, a nuclear explosion. And then it takes up the story from there and it tries to find out what happened and how it happened. But what was most worrying, I think, about this programme was the cover-up, was the way... I mean, you're talking about the Soviet Union, you're talking about, you know, very different time. Not that long ago, but in 1986, it was a very different time. And nuclear energy and nuclear power and what nuclear energy could be used for and atomic bombs and all of that and Cold War. And we was just we were in a different era and the Soviets were afraid of what the Americans were getting up to. And the Americans were afraid of what the Soviets were getting up to and the Japanese and the Chinese and everyone was kind of keeping to themselves, keeping their own secrets, not revealing anything. So when this accident happened, there was a big cover up and a plan to try to keep it as covered up as they could. And it's just a shocking programme but it's the authenticity of the programme I mean I would have gone into the exclusion zone uh, down very close to to the town of Chernobyl where the accident happened and in 1999 so it would have been like 13 years after it's not that long after the nuclear explosion and it's just how authentic this programme is I mean down to the way people are dressing the way people are the way they all call each other comrades for example and just the the tiny little details in it Uh, the guy who's produced this has, uh, has really nailed it has really nailed what it felt like 
to be in so the Soviet Union at the time back in 1986. Anyway, final programme airs tonight so we've invited A.D. Roach uh, to join us on the programme. I'm really interested in her views on it because this is this story that's, that has come out of this programme is the story that A.D. Roach has been talking about for so many years and now but it's, it's, it's put it very much onto the world stage and people are talking about Chernobyl again and we must remember the people who saved most of Europe in their brave actions at the time who stood up against the Soviet Union and stood up to be counted and said no we need to do something we need help you know we need we can't cover the story the story has got to be told so we'll chat about that later on if you have been watching it you, you will know the programme it is, it is it's quite shocking it's quite upsetting and it's to see the firefighters and the liquidators the brave brave young men uh, and not so young men who, who saved Europe from further nuclear disaster by, the, by their actions and of course their lives were lost and the way some of them died my God it didn't make you stop and think about nuclear power I tell you when, when you see the programme we're also going to chat about a new touristing, tourist idea for the town of Dunmanway and it's, it's all around the concept of the Sam Maguire passport. It's a lovely, lovely novel idea. We'll find out more about that in the programme uh, today. And then, as I say, Joe will join us after half past 12 uh, to chat about the Leaving Cert and to offer words of advice if you, have a, if you are a Leaving Cert student at home studying for the last day or you have one in the house. And I'm really interested in your thoughts, please, on... Donald Trump and Donald Trump's, well, Donald Trump's visit. Donald Trump is one of those men. He's divided the United States as a president and uh, he's divided the world, really. There's kind of people, people either love him or hate him. There's kind of no grey area when it comes to Donald Trump. But of course, we know this week Donald Trump is paying a visit to Ireland. So this is a private visit. He's coming to visit his Dunebeg Resort property, which is a commercial property for the Trump family and he's going to spend time there so it isn't a state visit but obviously there's a lot of security around this visit and the scale of the the security operation is so big that it's going to cost the according to newspaper reports it's going to cost the Irish taxpayer 100 million euro and when I heard about this over the weekend I was thinking okay on a state visit yeah I can understand if we invite somebody to our country we have to look after them you know when there was criticism of the Queen coming to stay and I think it was about 3 million at the time was being spent on the Queen's visit and there was a lot of hoo-ha about that but it was a state visit so we needed to, to look after her. but 10 million for a man who I know we've invited him to come but he's not coming on a state visit and I know there's going to be a quick meet, meeting with Leo Varadkar is it not an awful lot of money for us as taxpayers to be paying? I mean, the security plan is so vast, according to Ralph Regan and Pat Flynn in the Irish Independent today, that every Garda division in the south have been asked to supply a complete unit for the operation. So we're drafting in so many members of the Garda Siakona in around Dunbeg, around Clare and around Shannon that every single guest house and B&B has been booked out and we even have some members of Garda Siakona staying in youth hostels because there wasn't enough hotels, guest house and B&Bs uh, for them. And it comes with a price tag of €10 million. Euro. And, you know, people are giving out about the €1 million euro that we may end up spending on the count, the recount for Ireland South 
And here we have 10 million euro in a security operation for a man who really, I know he's the president of the country and I know we have to look after him. He's the president of the United States and we have to look after him when he's here. And, you know, we don't want anything to happen on our soil. You know, we wouldn't want that on our conscience, would we? But do we really have to be spending that amount of uh, money? There's parts of West Clare are effectively in lockdown and will be in lockdown for 72 hours until Air Force One finally departs uh, for Washington. People living in and around Dunebeg and in and around Shannon Airport. For example, firms around Shannon have all been instructed to have special lists of all of the employees who will be scheduled to work throughout the days of President Trump's visit. All the employees have to carry valid work photo ID at all times around uh, Shannon. In Dunebeg, there are traffic restrictions which have been imposed from 7pm yesterday and they will remain in place until next Saturday morning until Air Force One and the President and his entourage uh, is gone. Gardaí, on the advice of the US Secret Security, have imposed three security three security cordons around Dunebeg. Anyone living within the outer cordon have to get a special pass just to access the area. Then access to the inner corn, uh, cordon is strictly controlled by the Dunebeg Hotel, the Dunebeg Golf Course and, and the nearby beach that's in complete lockdown, off limits to everyone except security personnel and those within the presidential uh, party. <laughs> the, the one thing about this it'll be great if, if, I imagine in the States this is going to be a great selling for the Dunebeg Hotel because you know obviously wherever the President goes he's followed by cameras and that all gets relayed back to the States so uh, the Dunebeg Enterprise which is owned by the Trump family is certainly going to do well uh, out of this but you would feel for any locals living in the particular area and on top of the Garda Síochána and the Irish security detail and the 10 million that the Irish taxpayers are going to pay. There's a team of more more than 400 White House and Secret Service personnel all escorting President Trump during the stay at uh, Dunebeg. And of course, then they'll go on with him. Uh, to, he's going on to France, isn't he, for the D-Day anniversary commemorations in Normandy. They're happening on Thursday and then he comes back to the resort and then he leaves for Washington on uh, Saturday and then it'll all be, all be done and dusted. But it just is an incredible sum of money and I'm wondering how other people are feeling about the fact that it's Irish taxpayers' money. Ten million in uh, total. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and a quick WhatsApp and a very positive WhatsApp to start the show with as well from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for this, Michael. Says Patricia, hi. Let's begin the week by congratulating Katie Taylor, the undisputed world champion and brilliant role model who put in a superb performance in the boxing ring in which she threw the least number of punches but she landed the most effective one. Every punch landed had a sting. It was like that a formic acid that causes the irritation of the sting from a nettle or an ant. And of course, let's not forget our gold medal winner of the single skulls at the European Rowing Championship in Lucerne, 
by Ballancolic lady uh, Sunita Puspor, who stretched every muscle in her body to hold on to win the gold medal. Plus, she set a new European record, a superb performance by two outstanding ladies. Well done. Mary North Cork says, where are the government getting the millions for the recount in Ireland South and the money and that we're now hearing is going to be spent on President Trump's visits. It is a disgrace that money should be invested into our health service. It could improve things like our home health service. How many more cataract operations could it pay for? which would uh, stop people having to go up north to have a cataract operation done uh, instead. 1850-333-103 in on a text. Hi Patricia on the recount for Ireland South and what this texter feels was unwarranted criticism of the Sinn Féin party last week for calling for the recount. This texter says the Greens have said they would have done the very same thing. Leah Neriada has to find 164 votes, not 300 it's half of that of 164 votes and that would make a change and yes that recount uh, is now under way additional staff as we heard on the news we had been suggesting that had we not here on the programme last Friday maybe they were listening to us additional staff have been drafted in from across Cork City and uh, County which is uh, terrific and hopefully that now will speed up the process I was listening to Simon Coveney on the news he reckons it could be done and dusted in a week and I think everybody is hoping for that because this initial talk of the count taking 28 days and that would be 28 working days. That would mean here in Ireland South, we would not have our four MEPs and the one in waiting until the 11th of July. And that would be too late. Well, for the Ireland South MEPs, it would be too late because that would be nine days after the EU Parliament will convene for the first time. And of course, they always elect the new president. But also, it's the time when the key committees are decided and the Ireland South MEPs would miss out on that as well. So hopefully Simon Coveney is right and it will all be over within a week. And I know uh, reading in the papers today, Sinn Féin's Director of Elections, Jonathan O'Brien, says his party will not necessarily prolong the process should it become apparent that the gap between Leonie Riada and Grace O'Sullivan of the Greens if they feel it can't be breached, then they won't prolong it. But of course, the one thing that all of this recount has done is it has once again ignited the debate about electronic voting. And I know Charlie Flanagan has called on the... Uh, has uh, He's the Justice Minister. He wants the new Electoral Committee which is expected to begin work later this year. He wants them to prioritise the study on international best practice in the area. And you would already sort of say best practice, certainly for other countries, will say electronic voting is the way to go. We, unfortunately, the minute you mention e-voting in this country, just leaves a very bad taste in everybody's mouth because it was back in, it's nearly 20 years ago that we, we, we dabbled in electronic voting in this country. We did do it here in Cork. They did it in other parts of the country, but it was in uh, tw- 2002. I wouldn't have thought it was that long ago. It in total cost this country 51 million euro and we don't have one electronic voting machine left. We had the initial machines that had to be bought uh, was it seven and a half thousand of them? But then the problem was after the first vote took place and, you know, we looked at would we use it, would we not use it? People thought no. And then there was problems 
they were, they were foreseeing problems uh, with them. So all of the electronic voting machines that had been purchased for every single count centre or polling station all over the country, they all had to be housed in warehouses and they couldn't just be put in any old warehouse. There had to be security around them and there was a cost in storing them. So, of course, that cost mount up year after year after year until eventually they got sold off, I think nearly for scrap metal at the end. But it was €51 million euro was what it cost in total. So I think for that reason alone, it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth the minute you mentioned uh, e-voting. But I suppose there's the argument, we don't, what's happening in Cork with the recount for Ireland South, it's not the ideal. The ideal would be that we would already have our MEPs and they would be already over in Brussels and Strasbourg and getting organised, but we now have to wait. But as I say, let's hope we will be waiting sooner rather than later. And at the close of this week, it would be great if we were announcing exactly who our four plus one five MEPs for Ireland South are. 1850-333-103. John Paul uh, taking your course. We're going to stay on the election theme next and we're going to be asking, is now the time to start talking about and looking into should we have a nationwide ban on election posters. Yeah, just some of your calls coming in uh, while we are having a pro- we're having a problem with the phone line uh, for our interview on the election posters. So, so we're Jean-Paul is sorting that out. Let me go to some of your calls in. Uh, people are kind of, well, I kind of expected people were going to be annoyed. About 10 million euro is the estimated cost for security for security for the Donald Trump uh, visit. Some of your calls coming in. Catherine Imbantier works as a home help and she said that money could, the money that they're going to spend on Donald Trump's visit could be used to fund other services. We are now being told, this is, i.e. the home helps, that our budget is frozen, which means new people will not be able to avail of home helps. For example, if you've got somebody at the moment who's in hospital and when they're ready for discharge, they'll only be allowed to be discharged if they get a bit of home help. They will not receive home help hours because the budget has been frozen. Did I hear or read somewhere that it's been frozen until November? I'll look into that, but I'm sure I did. I'm not against, says Cathy Dimband here the President Trump's visit but surely that money could be allocated and spent somewhere else not on security. Lisa in Charleville says between Trump's visit and the recount we're looking at 11 million euro. How many houses would that build? How many mental health services could be improved? There are a lot of people who have absolutely nothing uh, yet in this the government and the powers that be feel that that kind of money can be spent but it's not been spent on the looking after our own. Neve is in Charleville and Neve works in Shannon. She said I'm late most mornings for work and this is due to the checks that are already in uh, place. Um, what is frustrating? I think they've been running checks now for about two weeks. It's been for I, I certainly have been we've been getting complaints in about people getting delayed because of security checks in advance of the uh, visit and obviously Pearl Neve is one of them. Uh, she says what is frustrating is so many people are looking for housing and we're told there's no money there to build houses yet here we are trying to go off and do an honest day's work and we get delayed just going to work all because of Trump's visit. I'm not against his uh, visit but I just don't support the amount of money that's been spent on the uh, security. It could go into housing. It's interesting. The a lot, So many people are saying that to John Paul 
they're not against Donald Trump coming to this country because there are going to be protests. We know there are going to be protests and we know while he's over across the water visiting in, in the United Kingdom, while he's over in England, there has been protests there. But I think that's that's almost par for the course now for Donald Trump. No matter where he goes, there will be people protesting because he just divides opinion. You either love him or you hate him. There's no grey area in the middle when it comes to uh, Donald uh, Trump. And I, I know he was kind of slightly annoying me at the weekend with what he was saying as part of his visit to Britain. He's very much pushing for a hard Brexit. You know, he was almost egging them on uh, to say, you know, throw off the shackles of your EU uh, membership. And he was hinting at big trade deals with the uh, US, you know, so very much pushing for them to get a hard Brexit. And I bet you he'll do the, he'll say the exact opposite probably to Leo Varadkar saying, oh, you know, we won't do big deals. We won't do big deals. We look after Ireland. So, you, you know, you don't know what you can believe from the man. But anyway, just to make that point that people are, they're not against the visit per se, but what they appear to be against is the amount of money that is being uh, spent. Uh, John in White's Cross says it's petty what they are talking about. 10 million euro sounds like a lot of money, but how much of that 10 million euro will be spent, will be zoomed around the world from a TV point of view? Tell people to stop being so petty minded, Patricia, says John in White's Cross. And of course, the other thing about the 10 million while it's going on security, the fact that every single B&B and guest house and did I hear also all of the youth hostels are completely booked out around Doonbeg and around Shannon. So it will put money into the area. There is that side of it as well when you're looking at, when you break down the 10 million, uh, a lot of it will be spent uh, locally as well. 1850-333-103. I'm just wondering, John Paul, will I get, I've got two ad breaks to go. Will I get an ad break out of the way? I'll get an ad break out of uh, the way and then we'll pick up on our story about election posters. We'll do it after these. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend. By turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4. As we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the Feel Good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Now, while we still await a result from the Ireland South constituency in in the European elections, the local elections are certainly done and dusted. But unfortunately, we're still hearing from listeners that plastic cable ties used to hang election posters have been left behind on polls in some parts of the city and county. One newly elected councillor is now looking for a nationwide ban on election posters. Uh, Fianna Gael councillor Liam O'Connor uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning. Uh, uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, you're coming to this issue from your own involvement in the local Tidy Towns group. Are those cable ties, are they a blight on the environment? They certainly are a blight. Um, now, I, I did a spin around Carrigaline, um yesterday and over the weekend, and I don't see... Um, many cable ties left on Great. around Carrigaline. Um, I suppose for the last couple of years, um, for tidy towns, we do a scan around the town, and 
and it's not just election posters. Like there's many other posters go up uh, throughout the year around towns and villages, and that are left on the polls as well. But in general, around Carrigline, this seems to be pretty good. Uh, most candidates have re- removed the cable ties. Now we had a, a poster ban in the town inside the 50k zone, but outside the 50k zone, um, it seems to be pretty good. And I think all the posters are are down at this stage around the thing. But, um, and can groups lose points in Tidy Towns competition if there are cable ties left on poles? They certainly can. Um, the streetscape um, section of the Tidy Towns judging um, has a. We often get remarks on our reports at the end of the year to say that there are certain poles around the town with cable ties left on them. Like they're they're really unsightly. Um, they're not environmentally friendly. Um, and they just look bad mm. uh, hanging off posts, uh, of poles, especially, especially on the main street. Um, but, and galling uh, for the people involved in Tidy Towns who put so much work in. And at times to win a top prize, it can go down to a handful of votes. And to lose votes because somebody didn't take the cable ties down after them is galling. It is, yeah. Um, like uh, every for the past, where well, we're going for our third gold medal now in Carrigaline well uh, this year. But uh, every year we only go up by five or six marks um, yeah. on average. I think last year we went up eight marks. So one pole with lots of cable ties on it coming into the main town would lose you a mark, which yeah. c- could cost you a regional award or one of those other special category awards. So they are they are really important. OK, so, now, so uh, again, a gentle reminder to the people, to the candidates and their workers taking who are, they should all be down by now, but, you know, make sure that you are taking the cable ties down as well. Or if when you cut them, that they don't land on the ground and you just leave the cable ties behind. Well, that's it. And now I suppose when you do cut them, some of the posters are up high and when you do go to cut them, now fair enough, the cable tie can loose and it could fly into a ditch or a hedge and you know you may not necessarily be able to get it out. It might go inside a ditch or something. But in general, I, I think most people are able to get the cable ties down after them and remove them. And as I said, Carrigaline seems to be pretty good now well done. Um, well on done. the outside and the main street. But Liam, every time there is an election, the issue of posters certainly comes up on this programme and I would say every other talk show and uh, TV programme, there will be discussions about posters. And it's always too late to introduce a, a ban because people will say, you know, it's unfair on first-time candidates. They need to get their name and their face out there the, the same as everybody else. So is now the right time to start discussing a nationwide ban while we don't have an election date? Yeah, certainly. Um, like, as you said, posters are really important. They're in a very effective way of letting people know who their candidates are, and especially for new candidates in an area. Um, but we, we need to restrict the number of posters going up. Um, like, for example, I think in this year, was there over 2,000 candidates running mm. um, throughout the country? And that that probably means up to I don't know six six or seven hundred thousand posters being put up around the country, which all end up being recycled or landfill. But um, so for what I was thinking was if lots of European towns and I know somebody who was camping with me, they've been in France recently, and there's an election going on there, and they have sent me back pictures of these billboards going into the main town. Mm. And there's three or four billboards around the town in the approach road, and all the candidates' pictures are up on that one board. And that's it. So I, I, I think that should be sufficient um, if everybody gets a fair share and a fair site to, to showcase themselves uh, to the, the community. I, I think that should be sufficient. 
Now, and you be um, new uh, to, uh, to the council. Um, are you going to raise this? Do you believe you'll have support? I think so, yeah. I, I certainly will be raising it um, in the council to, to see could we get kind of cross-party consensus on it and to, um, to see what could be done, maybe set up a, a committee or something to look into it and see how it could be managed. Yeah, um, I, I know our towns are different, but it's how to manage it and get agreement from everybody to follow it. And that's all you need. If, you know, if, if everybody decides, even if we could do a voluntary call to practice across Cork County, if all the councillors decide... When we're just not going to have posters. Exactly, yeah. But it needs it's to come to, to the go. top down, you know. Yeah, it's, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, tidy towns calling for us, or community associations calling for it, but everybody needs to buy into it, and it needs to come from the, the, the top down. Like, recycling is... I know you can recycle these posters, but that's only kind of treating um, the symptom, so not the problem. Like, prevention is the solution for this. Yeah. So we need to prevent them being made in the first place, you know, like, yeah. as I said, there's, uh, is there, there'll, there'll probably be 700,000, 800,000 posters now being discarded in the next couple of weeks. I know uh-huh. some of them are being recycled. I know Panda are doing a, a, um, a recycling of, of some of these posters. I think they're collecting them up in uh, Glenmire, which is brilliant. You know, but it's still, what recycled. a waste. What a waste. And single-use plastic and all that when it comes to, to the cable ties. Camille, why we have you on the line? It's, it's, and it's our first time talking to you since you got elected. Congratulations uh, to you. Did you, enjoy, did you enjoy the campaign? I did. Um, it was a long campaign. I, I, I suppose I started back in, in the January canvassing, going around to different... Um, how they said in in Carrigline, the surrounding areas. Um, I suppose, for all of the leaflet drop, getting getting them to know that I'm a candidate and I'm running. Um, mm. I thought I'd I'd have a lot of um, connections made through the chairperson of Tidy Town for the past five years. So people so would, would know worked, you. They would, yeah. I would have worked a lot of business and community associations, sporting groups, um, and lots of uh, resident associations around the, the town. So, um, but it was enjoyable. I got to know what. Issues around Carrigline are, and you know, hopefully, I can I can help out some of them over the next five years. And now, um, now, and now the real work begins, says you. And now the real work, <laughs> yeah, the easy part is done. Now the hard work begins for the next five years. Well, good luck, time. good luck with it, and no doubt we'll speak again, uh, Liam. But thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Perfect. Thank you Good very morning much. to you. That is morning. Councillor Liam uh, O'Connor. Michael says, yes, now is the time for discussions on election posters. But Michael says, I would suggest not for the next general election, but perhaps for the following election. The main parties will already have all of theirs printed for whenever the next general election is going to be. Hi Patricia, on Friday evening we had posters taken down at the end of our lane coming out of our house. There was nails, screws and cable ties all left on the telephone pole. I ended up getting a snips and a hammer to remove them from the pole. The posters were just pulled down from the pole and everything else was left up. Wouldn't you think if they could put them up that way they should be able to take them down the same way and that comes in from a listener in West Cork. Shame on whoever uh, did that so please and I'm taking out all the posters are down now but you need to remove the cable ties, the screws the nails, whatever you used to erect the poster needs to come back down as well. Going to take a break. We're heading towards news at uh, 11 o'clock. We'll catch up with that very kind-hearted bus driver and the story that broke over the weekend. And also we'll speak with A.D. Roach in advance of the final episode of the Chernobyl programme on TV tonight. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Listener has asked me to give a mention 
today and across this week to uh, to make drivers aware that there are ongoing roadworks on the Skibbereen to League Road. People need to slow down and drive carefully. Now, there are traffic signs, but people need to heed the signs and slow it down, please, on the Skibbereen to Drimalig Road right across this week for those ongoing roadworks. And another listener, a lady who doesn't want me to call out her name, which is fine, she's from the North Cork area. She says, hi Patricia, can you please tell me, is the carer's grant being paid out this Thursday? And if so, how much is it? I'm a carer and I'm so excited about it. So I'm assuming uh, is getting the carer's support grant, as it's called, for the first time. It was known as the Respite Grant, but they changed the name of it back in 2016. And yes, it is paid out. It's always paid out on the first Thursday of June. So yeah, it will be paid out this uh, week and it is currently valued at €1,700. It's paid out once a year and it's paid for every person you're caring for. So you would get double because there are people who are caring for more than one, particularly some people might be caring, say, for two elderly people or they could be caring for two special needs children. So the Carers support grant is paid per the person, per the number of people that you're actually caring for. So 1700 is what our listener, if they're caring for one person, uh, is going to receive. As I say, they did change the name. It was called the Respite uh, Care Grant. Uh, but of course, people don't have to use it for respite. You can if you need to get respite and we encourage carers to try to get respite. You can use the money for that. But if not, you can do with it as you wish. So that 1700 will be paid out to carers as and from this uh, Thursday. Now, at the weekend online news feed, Cork Bio ran a story about a very kind hearted bus driver who showed great kindness to an elderly lady who simply got on the wrong bus. The bus driver is Joe Carroll uh, and he joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Trisha. Uh, I'm I'm very well. Now, take me, it was last Friday. It was the Galway to Cork bus. You pulled into Mallow. Passengers got on. Pick up the story from there. What happened then? Passengers get on and, and the, I proceeded on my journey back to Cork because Cork would have, been, would have been the last, or Mallow would have been the last stop. So uh, then the next would have been Cork City. Um, so I proceeded on the journey and uh, when a lady came up to me and she asked, was I going to Galway? And I kind of I looked and I said, no, I said, I'm going to, going to Cork. And she was over here, she said, I'm on the, I'm on the wrong bus. They said, oh, okay. Um, so then I had to think for a minute. And I said, look, just relax and I said, we'll get sorted. And I remember that the Galway bus had just passed me. I was coming to Mallow Road, and I knew it was there to swing off left as I went up further and coming back in the back road to Mallow. And uh, I'd done that. And um, then I radioed back to the office for the UVL and I got on to Leon. And uh, Leon tried to get in contact with the Galway bus driver to get him to wait for the lady. So we were trying to get in contact with him, we couldn't. And uh, then there was a couple of boys and stuff, and I could see him moving, but then he eventually. Got him, got in touch with him, and he, he stopped and waited. And uh, he got the lady on the right bus, and the way home she went. And did you? Was there many on your bus? Uh, yeah, it was a full bus. Yeah, I was after coming out from Galway, so it was crazy. And, and there's a very good few on it. And as I was going off, turning off the road and left, I can look in the mirror and I see all the people's faces and worried. They didn't know what was going on, so I just <laughs> shout back to them. I just look, I saw them detour for a minute, and then they realised then. Yeah. The lady was on the wrong bus and everyone was quite patient and very nice about it so there was no, no complaints. 
Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't one person on the bus who said, "Don't no. do it." Yeah, yeah. No, no, there wasn't. I mean, so like, I just done it. I suppose without thinking because uh, I just done it, and like you know, it, it, it costs nothing to be nice, and yeah. you know, we'll be all elderly someday, and that's the way I looked at it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's easy happen get on the wrong bus, and uh, it all ended well. It so. did, it did. And then when you got to Cork, was that the was that the that was the end of your shift? Then was it for the day? That was, that was the end of my shift. Everyone got off the bus and said, thanks very much, driver, like to do. And some people said, that's great. Thanks very much for what you've done. And lady. But I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. I just thought it was just... It didn't even register my head, like, what I was after doing. So, um, me, it was nothing. And um, that was it. Then I went home. And then the next morning, then I was out and about to ride out in the park. And uh, I was just having to look at the phone, looking through Facebook. And uh, I was reading the story from Corky and very nice to the driver thinking to myself you know I think well it's a very familiar story that's my story <laughs> you know? yeah because it was it was it was I saw it it was Yvonne Ellard had tweeted Ellard, it yeah, uh, and there was yeah, your name hadn't been mentioned she just said you know what what you know what a lovely gesture uh, yeah. and it just it just took off it went viral from there didn't oh, it it's crazy like, I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything like that or not they just done it because that's just the way I am anyway. You know, I would do anything to anyone to help them or, you know, yeah. I'd oblige anyone and uh, it just was awesome. I'd I, I just like to say thanks to people that left lovely comments and messages from all over the place. Like, I mean, in England, people seen it in England and Australia. Well, it's funny. I was actually over in Birmingham for the weekend and I saw the story on Twitter and I started talking about, oh, look at this amazing bus driver and what he's done. And I relayed the story to this group of English people and they were aghast and said that that would not happen in England. Every one of them had a story of a little old dear or an elderly gentleman trying to get to the bus stop just as, you know, because they can see the bus and the bus driver pulls off. Having seen the elderly person almost deliberately doing it, so yeah. so so there was a lot of people saying big up to that bus driver how how great he was so so uh-huh. what can we have any reaction from your bosses in bus Aaron? No, they didn't work there. I know. I, oh, I, listen, I know you didn't, but if there was an employee of the month, can we put you forward for it? Because you should win it, hands down. <laughs> it's it's terrific. And has that ever happened to you before that somebody's got on the wrong bus? Well, it, it would happen regularly enough now, yeah. So, like, people would, like, actually, it does happen, like, you know what I mean? But, like, things I'll tell you, just, you just ask them, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They are, they just get on or they'll ask you or they'll say it, like, but yeah, but usually they'll ask, "Is this going to Galway? Is this going to Cork?" And yeah. we d- we know nothing about the elderly lady and why she was going to no. Galway. Or, no. <laughs> no. Somebody said they couldn't. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Someone thought that she was a nun. I don't know. Okay, but she got on in Mallow. She got on in Mallow, yeah. And what time yeah. was that at? Uh, oh, it was at six o'clock. Six o'clock. Okay. Yeah. We'll try and find out. Do we know? Do we know who the lady? Who the lady is? Did she? I'm sure she got to Galway fine anyway because the other bus driver uh, was, and the other bus driver had no problem waiting either. No, no problem. No. whatsoever. No, like, like, like just what I done. Like lots of drivers do things every day of the week for people, and and it, it wouldn't get any attention for it anyway. But like ninety nine percent of us all would do 
went to therapy anyway, we do a good job of yeah, you're terrific. Well, well done, well done, um, and that lovely act of kindness—it's it'll it will come back to you tenfold, Joe. I promise you that. Listen, thanks a million for talking to us. Thank you very much. Okay, bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Joe Carroll, uh, the bus driver. Actually, I'm just getting some texts in. I didn't realise um, my headphones are probably a bit louder. The phone line wasn't uh, great, so my apologies there if uh, that uh, took from your listening to uh, Joe, which was just a lovely story of what he did. And wouldn't it be lovely to find out who that lady was? Six o'clock bus gets on in Mallow, thinks the bus is going to Galway, discovers it's going to to Cork and they turn the bus around for her. And to all the passengers as well, there wasn't one passenger on that bus complained as to why and what the bus driver was doing, which I think is really nice as well because, you know, people are busy and we're living in, in worlds where people are rushing and they need to get here and they need to get there. Uh, and, and I know it was probably only about 15 minutes I think in the end the bus was delayed but I thought it was great as well that no one on the bus complained and that when people were getting off the bus in Cork the amount of people that said to Joe well done well done that was terrific and well done to, it was Yvonne um, Ellard was the person who I saw she was the one who put up a, a, a post on Friday evening saying well done to the bus driver on the Limerick to Cork route this evening who turned back to Mallow when an older lady realised she was on the wrong bus and also got the bus the Galway bus to wait for her. Hashtag be kind. Hashtag senior moment. <laughs> well done. That was, that was the tweet that I picked up on uh, as well. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Just let me give you a couple of texts that have come in on the count and everybody waiting for the count. That we now know is underway and there are hopes now with the extra counters in that it will happen sooner rather than later. We'll have our MEPs for Ireland South. The Douglas listener says the Sinn Féin are eliminated. Will their surplus votes be distributed in case the Greens could overtake Deirdre Clune and Fine Gael for that fourth uh, seat? Uh, and I can, I'll answer it for you by reading out a text from Andy O'Connor in Newmarket who actually gives the perfect explanation. Andy says, Tricia, just to explain, the count in Ireland South, there were three seats to fill after the count adjourned for a recount last week. At that stage, Leah Niriada was the lowest candidate. Should that be the same after the, re, after the recount finishes, her votes will then be transferred to determine the fourth and the fifth seats. So yes, Deirdre Clune certainly is not certain of that fourth seat. It would be between her then and Grace O'Sullivan as to what way, where the votes go, what way they transfer, who gets the fourth seat, who gets the fifth seat. Nobody really wants to get the fifth seat because they don't know when they will actually take up their position in uh, Europe. So only time will tell on on that one. Okay, and just a quick few on the Donald Trump. We're still getting calls in about that. Jerry in Mallow says, why should we pay for Trump? He owns his own hotel. He should be paying all of the expenses himself. Eddie in Oven says, Bigara. It's a lot of money for a round of golf and a chat with Leo, isn't it? Somebody else says, Trump is a bad egg. 
So I did say that. Trump just seems to div- it divides uh, people. And then another texter says, the government is very extra- extravagant in spending millions on the wealthy and nothing for the people of rural Ireland. All we seem to have are forestry, plantation and windmills. And we seem to be in the way, those of us who opt to live in rural Ireland. Eddie says, 10 million is OK to spend on Donald Trump. Why? Because he's not a member of Sinn Féin. The other parties were only giving out about the recount of Ireland South was because that recount was called by the Sinn Féin party. And on WhatsApps, Morning Patricia says, Heidi, if Donald Trump wanted to come here, let him pay for his own security. If he wants to play a round of golf on his golf course, let him pay for it himself. We don't have that kind of money to spend. And Geraldine says, Morning, my husband and I and friends visited Donald Trump's hotel last Saturday evening. On the way in, we saw one policeman who wasn't wearing a hat. Sure, it's a fabulous place, uh, but it was raining. Enjoying the programme and that comes in from George. And I wonder what the security was like last week. Was it OK? Because certainly if you you wouldn't have a hope of getting near it this week, Geraldine, that's for sure. Uh, John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text her WhatsApp, which is what Geraldine did, to 0862 103 103. The latest jobs on C103. Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 2nd. Get working now to run the full half or relay. More details at c103.ie. Full-time beauty therapist required. That's for Living Beauty Day Spa. That's in Mallow. Industrial painters are wanted for work in July. You need to have your own tools and up-to-date search required. First and second fixed carpenters wanted for the Cork and Limerick areas. And full-time bar staff wanted for the Longboat Bar. That's in uh, Durris. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, tonight on Sky Atlantic, the fifth and final episode of the highly acclaimed TV show Chernobyl will air. At present, it's the highest rated TV programme of all time on IMDb and it outlines with great respect and detail the catastrophic 1986 explosion at the Soviet nuclear power plant. I just want to play you a quick 30 second little short uh, trailer for those who haven't seen it. You are dealing with something that has never occurred on this planet before. If we don't find out how this happened, it will happen again. Now, joining me with her reaction uh, to this TV programme is Aidy Roach of the Chernobyl Children's International uh, Group. Good morning to you, Aidy. Good morning to you, Patricia, and that was a fantastic introduction there because, uh, I mean, we're, we're a bit sort of shocked and stunned that it has knocked everything like Games of Thrones, or yeah. sorry, what do you call it? Game, Game, Game of Thrones, yeah. Game of Thrones, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I never watched it. But I know it's a hugely, uh, you know, commanding series and Chernobyl has knocked everything off its perch. Uh, and, I, I mean, that in itself just kind of gives us a, a sense of sort of the success of the series, Patricia, because you know, because you've been involved for over a quarter of a century yourself as a journalist and in a very personal capacity as well in the whole Chernobyl story. And like in a sense, 
there's I feel very personally, and I hope you do too, um, for all the coverage you have given on the issue over the years, a sense of kind of vindication in a way because like we there is nothing new in the series that you and I haven't known mm-hmm. or been talking about all these decades. But somehow this is the one that has got under the skin of the story. And even that quote that, that you had on there from Professor Valeri Legasov is really, really powerful because, I mean, there is no precedent in the history of humanity to which Chernobyl can be compared. So this actually really gets across that finally we have something that is raw truth-telling, that actually is honest brave, courageous, and does not shy away from the truth and has blown out of the water the misinformation, the lies and the deception that grew out of that very control room on the 26th of April 1986 and has now just kind of, you know, just like like the, the explosion blew the lid off the reactor. This series has blown the lid off the Chernobyl deniers and the naysayers and all of a sudden the, the world is listening, which is very powerful actually for all of us, Patricia, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the one thing, as you say, you know, I watched it and, and there's nothing in it that we, you know, we didn't know yeah. about. But it was the Soviets attempt at the cover-up that just made the situation so much worse Oh, it most certainly did. And do you know what's wonderful about this is that, um, you know, it's sort of, it's it's actually not shy in what it's saying. And the factual information, I can tell you, Patricia, on my mother and father's grave, every single fact in that is absolutely correct, verified like in a hundred different directions. Because I worked on a consultancy basis with the series, particularly with the wonderful Irish actor, Jesse Buckley. And the trouble that they have gone to to make sure that that nobody can actually, um, you know, object to this series is incredible. And there is a confidence that, like, you know, after 33 years, let's face it, that's a generational lifetime. And disasters like Chernobyl fade from the headlines, fade from global consciousness and fade from even our own memories. And along comes this film, confident, proclaiming itself and its intention with that forever place named Chernobyl. And it really gets across from the first night it grips you in with the betrayal and with the heroism that went on behind what still remains the most deadly nuclear accident in the history of mankind. And people who were watching it thought they knew something about Chernobyl but this is saying hey guys you have no idea it was it could have been much much worse and and I think it really brings across British which I hope that you know you and the station might get behind this plea it gets across those poor men known as the liquidators the first responders the firefighters the miners the guys that went in that became the human bio-robots, as they were called, where the machines had failed because of the levels of radioactivity. These guys who self-sacrifice in an unparalleled in the history of humankind way, they self-sacrificed so that Europe and the world would be saved from a much worse disaster at Chernobyl. And, and Aidy, the way some of them died was, was to me, was died. one of the most upsetting yeah. parts um, of the yes. programme. Um, and that's the reality. 
It, that's right. And you know, uh, Patricia, like the stories come from the eyewitness accounts. Like a lot of the words are the people's own words, like Ludmila and her husband Vasily. That is the first story in an eyewitness book by a woman called Svetlana Alexeyevich, who won a Nobel Prize for Literature about three or four years ago on her book called Voices from Chernobyl. The first story in that book is that story of Vasily and That's of the firefighter and, the his, pre- and his pregnant wife. Yeah. Exactly, who literally melted. She's still alive, by the way, yeah. but she's had a very difficult life. But you know, Patricia, these men called the liquidators were airbrushed out of history. Patricia, the scandal of how they've been treated since that time. Like, they have their pensions have been taken away. They have no proper health care. And we are calling for these men to be allocated and nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because they saved the world. And I am hoping that the Irish people and that the Irish government would lead this initiative to have these men finally recognised, to bring them back into the light, the guys that saved the world. And because, you know, the they, that neck of the woods they're big into denial and like you know there were so many pieces of legislation to keep the truth back from Chernobyl except they couldn't control the radiation and so he thanks to the people in Sweden that you and I even found out about mm, it mm. Um, I mean that is absolutely shocking so I'm hoping that you know the people will come behind us in this initiative to try and get the, all those men, the surviving men, um, you know, and like 125,000 of those men died, and like and no records are being kept anymore. So we don't know how many more um, have died even subsequently. And they Which would have left behind family and widows, and yes. you know, family, and, and they were the main breadwinners. Ah, and you know, Patricia, actually, one of the most shocking things is not only did they leave behind like their de- you know their families and their their loved ones but the problem is they left behind their genetic stamp yeah. and that's why we're seeing even in you know the Chernobyl heart surgery that we do yeah. in uh, in Ukraine and we did in Belarus and everything and um, all of those children have what's now called Chernobyl heart but it's called Chernobyl lineage where you'll find the grandfather was a liquidator then his offspring male or female had the genetic um, impact and now the third generation so this is an unfolding disaster really for the rest of time so the series is a cautionary tale saying guys if you mess with fire you get hell and those men went into the fire pit of hell into that reactor and all that radiation is still there there's like 97% of the nuclear material is still there and even though they've put the tomb over it it makes no difference to what's in there they still cannot find a way to dispose of it safely now that's a legacy that we leave to the next generation and the next and the next and the next do you know um, M.A.D. how has the programme been received in (gasps) Belarus the Ukraine Russia oh my god Um, uh, Patricia a bit like yourself I'm only only just actually back since Friday and uh, like I was asking at meetings and everything nobody I mean it's not they don't have it over there but the great thing is because of their wonderful internet and like we have all our staff and anyone connected with us actually watching it and I was in a place that you and I know well on Thursday a place called Novinki and I met with some of the people that work there now who are like members of the Russian 
Christian Orthodox Church and they had never heard of the series and I said listen guys you're all internet friendly you can watch it the day after it's up on it's YouTube, YouTube yeah. so they're now starting to follow but it is not spoken about it is not recognised of course and of course they do not want to recognise the impact on the families on the liquidators because they're now saying Chernobyl is all over it's a historic event and uh, let's pretend it never existed in the first place but you cannot undo the genetics and that is the legacy for the future so this is doing us all a great favour yeah, yeah, because you know the way like when you're getting on certainly me anyway getting on in years you're kind of saying my God it, it feels sometimes like a voice in the wilderness and you know you kind of feel a bit disheartened that all these years later that you know there there is still such an information gap out there this has absolutely been a game changer and I think it'll have a profound impact when we showed a piece of it with the director producers with all the actors Jared Harris Emily Watson Jesse Buckley the whole lot of them at the United Nations for the Chernobyl anniversary they were actually they were ambassadors crying in their seats the UN had never seen anything like it so you know it would give you great hope that it isn't just down to you and me and your listeners and those who have a kind and generous heart that hopefully those who are the decision makers will also ensure that something like this never happens again Okay and there's also a fantastic podcast that um, Craig Mason uh, the guy yeah. responsible um, oh, if, if, if people want to Google that because it, it just it explains after every episode why he did what what he did and and, 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 and people will know uh, Greg Mason I didn't realise this at the time until I started looking yeah. into the programme he's the guy responsible for The Hangover and he's gone from what oh. was a very funny movie uh, just showing I how talented know. how talented this guy is it's just oh it's, it's stunning so have you seen the last episode that we're going to get to see tonight I- I, I saw it in this very early stage because I okay. saw all the various episodes as they were being prepared. But to be honest, that was ages ago. Okay. So I actually, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually having to watch two episodes tonight because I was in Belarus for last week. So I'll be getting a, a double whammy um, tonight. But I'm sure it'll be as thought-provoking and as, you know, and you know what's lovely, Patricia? It's seeing and telling the story in a new way as never envisaged or as never articulate before. Like with new eyes, like as you said, Craig Mason, a new pair of eyes, fresh heart, Emily Watson, Jared Harris, who's brilliant in it and I hope they get every award going we will be backing them all the way for whatever <laughs> they deserve they certainly deserve it and it is 100% uh, authentic the way they fil- I mean even though they didn't film in and around um, yeah. Chernobyl they couldn't but a lot yeah. of the filming is done in the Ukraine I mean when you're in yeah. the exclusion uh, zones when you're in the villages they're all the places we've been to over the years it was, exactly. it was, it was incredible do you know what? Do you know what? I, I every time I watch a bit, but I get a lump in my throat, Patricia, because I remember all of us as youngsters, you know, like twenty, twenty-five years ago, kind of going out there, and really, we, and in a sense, we were kind of like the trailblazers, like really not even like in our innocence, we went with our hearts, and and thank God we did, because look what has been achieved since, and um, you know, I like I will be welcoming in the next group of children will be coming in now in about three weeks time and you kind of say you know the work goes on now it can be difficult at times as you know because so many other tragedies come and go but listen this has rekindled the story and told it with fresh eyes and please God there'll be a fresh wave of of enthusiasm behind the work that's being done Okay, we look forward to the if you, if look forward is the right word, but uh, I think yeah. people understand what we mean by that. Uh, to yeah. the final 
episode uh, tonight. AD, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that. And thanks Thank for joining you. us uh, on the programme. That is uh, AD Roach of the Chernobyl uh, Children's International. And actually, when I was watching one of the earlier episodes, it just brought me back to one of the, fir- the very first trip I would have done with AD back in uh, 1999. And I remember being on the bus and driving down into the exclusion zone and having one of those Geiger counters that you see on all of the programmes and that noise that it makes and it was on that little clip there as well and I remember at one stage AD turned around to the bus and said oh well, you turned that off the noise is driving me mad because the Geiger counter wouldn't stop because it, it was just it, we, it wasn't peaking it was just you know we haven't got there's still more there's still more there's still more so we just switched it off there was no point having a number that was going to mean nothing anyway because we were never going to get the actual figure uh, because the radiation was just so high in the area where we were so that's the final episode of uh, Chernobyl is on Sky Atlantic uh, tonight. Michael says, Patricia, hi. It was great to hear A.D. Roach just there on your programme. What a tremendous lady of outstanding qualities. My God, she has done some outstanding work where others have failed badly. Patricia, without fear of contradiction, A.D. Roach deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, please wish her all the uh, best. And I, that's the one thing I know when that programme started. I mean, she's been trying her very best to tell that story and to tell it uh, as it is. And there was the naysayers and the people saying, oh, it was never that bad. And now sure, it's fine. Now it happened back in 1986. All oh, the radiation must be gone. And that's the one thing I was thrilled about when I did start to watch the programme and watch it unfold. I realised that, you know, suddenly it's going to put it on to a world platform it's a pity that it has to take a TV producer, a, a filmmaker to make a movie to put it onto the world platform. But that's exactly what, what it has done. And please God, only good can come out of the programme then. Uh, thank you, Michael, for your WhatsApp to 0862 103, now 103. Now moving to a different topic, Dumb Manway continues to promote its most famous son, Sam Maguire, with yet another wonderful project. This time it's entitled the Sam Maguire Passport. Joining me with details, the man was uh, Reverend uh, Cliff Jeffers. Good morning to you, Cliff. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome. Now, from a tourism point of view, this is really clever. Just outline what the passport challenges the holder to do. Well, the passport has um, been designed to guide people around seven different locations around the area of the man, mostly in the town, but also outside the town of Sam's home place in Malabraca, and they go to each location, um, and the passport has puzzles and questions and quizzes for um, young people um, to go and discover about Sam, and as they go to each location, um, once they've all that discovered and the challenge done, they get to stamp the passport with a, um, a unique stamp for each location, and then they move on to the next one. So a little bit like a, little bit like a treasure hunt, almost. It is like yeah. scavenger hunt, treasure hunt, yeah. yeah, and it's really enjoyable for families to do together. How did it come about, and who put it together? Well, there's a small team of us in Demand. We were always looking for looking to see what uh, new things we can do to try and promote the story of Sam Maguire. But we have to make it interesting and fun for families to engage with. Um, so that's where the passport idea came came about. And where will people be able to pick up the passport? So they're available in any county council library. Um, the the Cork County Council is fantastic. They've uh, joined in us with this project by funding us. But also the library service have um, stocked the passport now in all the libraries in the county. Um, and it can be got at retail outlets anywhere in demand. Most of the retail outlets have the passport as well. It's only two euro, and it's free in the county council library. Are you getting good reaction to it? Well, we've only just launched it last okay. week. Um, so we had a launch in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, and also we had a launch in Parky Cree the week before um, for Cork. And um, yeah, look, with great response, but it's just uh, just out, and our main time is going to be July and August this year. 
And I mean, you really did go to the top of the GAA to launch it with the with the launch in St. Patrick's Cathedral, didn't you, in Dublin? Never miss an opportunity. <laughs> 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 the, the GAA were having a special service in St. Patrick's Cathedral to celebrate their inclusiveness. Yeah. And um, I was invited along and I said, well, sure, why not ask? <laughs> so um, they said, yeah, no bother, they'd be delighted to do it. And did you bring a bunch of the passports with you? Everybody left the one in their hotel. Did they? they? Well <laughs> done, well done. I, I mean, ev- everyone yeah. associates the name Sam McGuire with the, with the GAA uh, trophy. But I mean, what I love about this and, and what, you're, what you're always in the gang and Dom and me are trying to do, you're trying to get the story out there that it's, you know, Sam McGuire is more than a cup. It was a person. Just remind listeners uh, who Sam McGuire was and the connection with Dom Yeah, well, he was, well, Sam McGuire was born in Dom um in the, in, um, 1877, and he, he, got, he was educated, he grew up there, and then he went off to England to work in the post office. And while he was there, he became a member of the, the IRB and became a space agent spy within the post office network, um, feeding information back to Michael Collins and to the um, in, independence movement here. Um, but he also got very involved in the GA while he was there, and became treasurer and captain and president of his club, London Hibernian. So that was his kind of his background. And then he came back to Ireland. Um, in 1923-24 and um, he got a job in the post office here and then after a little while he lost his job because he was a uh, we're not quite sure exactly what happened he was um, <laughs> doing a little bit of undercover work if you know what I call it um, and um, he really died then without a pension in poverty and also through sickness he died of TB and it was actually his tragic death which brought around his friends to do something to remember him which brought about the Sam McGuire Oh, was that how the cup came about? Yeah, and it was two of the tragedies. If he had lived to a ripe old age, he probably would have been forgotten like many yeah, other yeah. Um, people in the past. But it was because of his tragic death he's been remembered. And he's buried in the churchyard where the rector. So that's my motivation to tell his story. And what um, age was he when he died? He was... He was 49. Oh, God, he was young. Yeah, yeah he was a young, young man. Yeah. Um, so we also had a great collaboration with CIT and all of this. Um, the CIT Students and Visual Communications Programme and they actually designed the passport, so we gave them the information, and they were about um, coming together with different designs for us. So we had a great uh, partnership with them, and um, getting this together as well. And how is it funded? Um, Cork County Council gave great. us a, a tourism grant, yeah. um, and of course we get a small little bit out of, out of selling the passports. But the most important thing for the listeners to know is that once you have a passport in your hand, the trail is completely free. Yeah. Um, so you can go around and find out about Sam McGuire and, and do all of that for free. And is it designed, Jeff, that you do it, or, uh, Cliff, that you do it in an afternoon? Yeah, it takes yeah. two or three hours um, and just work your way around all the different locations um, and, and find out about it. We're hoping to release a little video about it as well. It's been worked on the moment by Brendan Hayes, a local filmmaker. And uh, that'll be up on social media there within a week or two once we have it finished and tidied up. And how is the Sam McGuire visitor experience going and, and the, the church bells? Yeah, bells are working really well and a uh, great team of ringers and uh, we've um, opened the visitor experience again for the summer in July and August every day, June 12 and 4. Um, I'm going to extend it out to the middle of September this time because we have a few Sam McGuire things going on in September with the weekend and the Sam McGuire 7s and a new initiative in the town as well, um, GA 7s competition in September. So we're into June, even though you wouldn't think looking out the window of the weather today. I but know, yeah. are, are there? Are you starting to see the tourists? Is it a bit early it's, yet? It's just a bit early. I think yeah. once schools finish, um, it'll be a better time, you know, to get get it up and going. But yeah, we have, we're all ready for for the initiative to start. Okay. Um, 
Uh, so, and one of the things to say, if people want to know a little bit more about us, they can visit our, our website, um, visitdemandway.ie, and we also have a Sam McGuire passport, pa- passport page um, on Facebook where people can see what does it look like. Okay. All right. Listen, good luck with it, um, Cliff. It's a, another, another great initiative, Sam. Yeah. Well done. And it's lovely the idea that people will get to find out more about um, Sam because yeah. that's what it's there's, all about. There's, there's one last little piece when people have their passport finished. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a past president from the GA come on four different occasions during the summer where the person who's finished the passport and found out about the man behind the cup, they can get a photograph with a, with a replica of the Sam McGuire Cup and a past president on four different Saturdays during, throughout the summer. Um, and they'll be available to book online in a few weeks' time. Okay, and the online again, where people need to go? www.visitdermanway.ie Visitdermanway.ie Okay. Pleasure as always to talk to you, Cliff. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye. Good morning to you. That Thank is, you. Uh, bye-bye, that is uh, Reverend Cliff Jeffers joining us from a dumb man where that might be a lovely thing for you and your family to do and if you've got smallies on, and you're waiting for them to break up on the summer holidays uh, head to dumb man way and check out the Sam Maguire passport or if you have visitors coming it's always great to try and come up with something novel for visitors uh, to do there's a, a nice thing to do in a dumb man way uh, Patricia the electricity is off in the Bantier Lombardstown area is this only local does anybody know? Um, I'll get and I can see John Paul is on calls at the moment. Okay? I'll try during the news at 12 and we'll see if we can do find out for you. It could just be a local outage and the ESB network, they're really good to get on top of those outages and there's a really good app if you have the the ESB network app where it shows where the outage is. is It'll show you how long it's going to be off and it gives you a rough idea when they expect to have it back. So we'll do a check and we'll get back to you and let you Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know when it is expected to be back, but I imagine it is probably just a local uh, outage. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and texts coming in to the uh, programme. Fabulous nights as a texture in Mill Street on Sunday last for the launch of the Mill Street Vintage Club Truck Run. It's all in aid of the Irish Community Rapid Response Air Ambulance Helicopter with the truck run taking place on the 28th of July next, starting and finishing in K. 
and L Transport Dep- Depot Yard in Mill Street. It's for old and new trucks and all are very welcome. Good luck to all involved. And lo and behold, straight in after that text came a text from a different listener when we've been talking about 10 million euro for Donald Trump and this is to cover the cost of the security operation around Clare, around Doonbeg and around Shannon where he'd be flying in and out of and people are just saying what a waste of money 10 million a lot of money could go a long way and somebody's just sent in a text saying what about the air ambulance in Rathcoole if they've got 10 million to use on a security detail for Donald President Donald Trump who's not here on a state visit would that 10 million not get the air ambulance up and running 10 million to spend on a security detail for a president from another country for a few day, days seems absolutely ridiculous and that's the general view of so many people contacting us today. On other issues, talking about safety on the road. I was driving on the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road on Friday evening last and driving in front of me was a tractor and a silage rake, a silage rake wide machine That'll hopefully make sense to somebody in the farming community. But behind one of those big, you know, the tractors with the big piece of equipment on the back and they're very wide, you have no way of overtaking. And for people who don't know, the Mallow to Mitchestown Road in parts is very narrow. You can really can't overtake. A lot of this a lot of that road actually has a continuous white line. There's only various sections where you've got a a broken white line where you can overtake. Anyway, so picture the scene Friday evening, driving behind tractor and it's it's pulling this uh, large machine behind. Driving the tractor, according to this texter, is a young boy who's got headphones in, listening to music. He is paying no attention at all to the fact that there are now five cars building up behind me. So that's six cars in a row, maybe more that you can't see if you're, if you're looking in the rear view mirror. He finally becomes aware that there's a line of cars behind him. So he pulls in to a lay-by. Using mobile music like that is actually worse than a mobile phone says this texture. The music should only be allowed when they're working in the field, not when they're out on the road. He was moving in and out and all over the white line. That went on for about one mile. It is looking for uh, trouble. And we have been issuing, you know, words of advice and guidelines to people to be careful when you're out driving in rural areas because this is a busy, busy time of the year for the farming community and for the agricultural contractors. And you never know when you come around a bend what's going to be on the road, either on your side of the road or on the other side of the road. And you do have to drive with extreme care. But also, also the people that are driving the tractors and driving those large agricultural machinery they also need to drive with care. And I think that listener is right. I don't think they should have any kind of earphones in the rear where you can't hear what's going on. You need to be concentrating 100% on what's in front of you and also what's building up behind you. And most of the agricultural contractors and the young lads, because there are young lads driving those tractors as well, are good about pulling in. I mean, and we will hear from people who will call us every now and again saying that they were behind someone and that the person, as soon as they saw there was some kind of a build-up of traffic before, they did pull in. I don't know what they deem a build-up of traffic, though. Is it five or more cars? I mean, if you are one of those, if you are a farmer, are you an agricultural contractor and you're driving along, at what stage do you pull in? Do you pull in at every available opportunity, even if there's only one or two cars? Or do you wait until you have five or more cars behind you and then look for a gate or a lay-by in which to pull in? I don't know what the 
I don't think there's any solid rules of the road on that one. It's just up to individuals themselves and courtesy, I suppose, for other road users. But we can and will, you can expect and can and will see a lot more of that kind of situation if you're out driving in rural Ireland because this is the time of the year uh, for it. But please just common courtesy. Uh, 1850 on the should we get rid of posters and election posters and all of that and what's been left behind after the recent election. Tom was on to say that they, there are timber pallets where posters were pinned up onto them or nailed up onto them. Okay, the posters have been removed, but Tim reckons that some of the timber pallets have been left around and behind. He says Belgooli is an area where he's seen some of these timber pallets. So there's a, a word of warning to people taking down the election posters. If you had them up on timber pallets, you've taken the posters away. But will you go back, please, and remove the timber pallets as well? They are annoyance to people living in the area. Jane says, hi, Patricia. I think it is a brilliant suggestion and idea to have a central area in each town and village where all the candidates would be depicted in alphabetical order. Also, I don't think going back to e-voting is such a good idea. The paper is certainly more accurate, even if it is slower to count and we do have this painstaking recount going on at the moment. Wasn't one of the issues in the US about Russians hacking into the e-voting says Jane and wasn't that one of the reasons that e-voting was called into question. It could have been, I know there's been a lot of talk of Russians hacking into and influencing as well the outcome of the American elections but I don't know if it was hacking into the e-voting or not but thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and Anthony says well done to that bus driver Joe Carroll who you spoke to in the last hour there are some amazing drivers out there they are really good and we are lucky to have uh, them I hope he has all the luck in the world for, for what he did yeah I think good karma will come back on Joe what a nice nice man and when you do acts of kindness like that they don't I, I genuinely believe that they don't go unpaid uh, something good will happen to him for uh, sure now we are getting calls from some people with sons and daughters that went to a teenage disco in Formoy at the weekend we've been trying to ring the organisers but not having any luck but it does seem like there was an incident at Formoy Rowing Club and they want, they've now issued a statement where they say they want to apologise to loyal patrons for the early closure of the disco at 20 to 11 on Friday last. This was necessary to ensure the safety and the enjoyment of those in attendance following the deliberate discharge of a smoke canister within the hall, similar to what you would see discharged at a sporting event. Now, luckily no one was hurt, but for my rowing club takes such incidents very seriously and they're now liaising with the Gardaí to ensure that the perpetrators are held to account. The incident was recorded on CCTV and the tapes are going to be handed to Angarda Siakona to investigate. The club would like to thank all those who attended for the orderly and well-behaved way in which they vacated the premises at what had been a very enjoyable evening up to that incident. Ah, that's just annoying, isn't it? For the young people who were there having a great time and then obviously... Uh, their parents weren't expecting them to come out of the disco early so I imagine there was frantic phone calls being made 
to mum and dad to come and collect us. We've been had to leave the disco early because of some pup who decided it would not be fun. We'll leave off a smoke canister. So take it they've got the smoke canister. Who goes to a disco with a smoke canister? God almighty, the stupidity of it. But good to know that everybody's okay and it looks like the organisers behind the disco for my rowing club handled that situation uh, very well. And, and well done. Pass it on to the Guardian at see from the CCTV if they can see who, who left off the smoke uh, canister and that they get a rap on the back of the knuckles and I hope that that will never happen again. D on Twitter says, this is back to the election posters, we should follow the lead of the French election uh, of what they do in France. Election posters are only allowed within a limited proximity of a polling station. So they go up obviously the night before that we head to the polls. Uh, we are the opposite. Election posters are everywhere, apart from the polling stations. Yeah, they once upon a time they were near the polling stations. Uh, recycled posters, plastics uh, are not. They litter the landscape. Get rid of them for once and uh, for all. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul takes your calls. The C one zero three Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Transfusion Board will hold donor clinics in the Charleville Park Hotel today between 3 and 5 and again 7 to 9 tonight. And a monster bingo will be held in the parkway in Dunmanway. Half past 8 this evening, proceeds going to the West Cork School Boys League. And a fundraising raffle for little six-year-old Connor Hartnett from Castletown Roach will be held in the Wagon Tavern in Formoy on Thursday the 13th of June. The weekly bingo starts at 8.30 and the fundraising raffle will be part of the usual bingo night. Connor is currently undergoing treatment in Dublin and your support for Connor and his family would be gratefully appreciated. And this year's Cope Foundation Golf Classic will be held in Douglas Golf Club on Thursday, June 13th and again on Friday, June 14th. It's an aid of their independent living facility. You register through the Cope Foundation website for tea times, great prizes, including a chance to win a car. And Sunflower Day for Marymount Hospice will be held on Saturday next, the 8th of June. But volunteers are needed to help with collections, especially in Charleville and in the city centre. If you can help by giving up an hour or two of your time, can you call 021 4501201. They need to raise three point five million euro and that's just to maintain the current level of service at the wonderful Mary Montas. Okay, let me go to the comment line where William, who is a taxi driver in the city, has contacted us. Good afternoon to you, William. Good afternoon. And now William, you contacted us because you were working the night of the Rod Stewart concert in Porky Cueve and there was a problem with collecting people after the concert. Is that it? There was, yeah. Tell us what happened. Well, basically speaking, we couldn't get down anywhere near the near the, the park because of the restrictions. And apparently there was, someone said that there was people taking down the taxi signs down there. I don't know what that's true on that. Were you able to drop people off to the concert? Oh, we were. There was no problem going down. Yeah. And we dropped them off and we came back and back down again. And but unfortunately, we couldn't get near it after with the amount of people that were there, 30,000 people. They blocked the road, they were walking everywhere. And apparently, one lady who was 74 had to walk from Parky Grieve to the city, which was crazy. Now, the concert finished at approximately half ten. Yeah. And by the time they got to the city, most of the people 
would be 11, quarter past. And unfortunately, CIE finishes at quarter past 11, except for one or two buses. Now, up until 12 and half past 12, there was hundreds and hundreds of people on the streets. At t- taxi ranks, bus ranks, and they couldn't, we couldn't cope. The, the amount of people there was too much. And were you all ready at half ten to head down to Porky Cueve to start picking people up from outside the concert? Well, we couldn't get down there. To, 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 there were so many people walking on the streets, it was actually dangerous for us to go down. There was no designated roads for us to, to drive on. OK, so what, what, what is the solution? Well, basically speaking, CIE themselves, they brought people down, no problem. Yeah. But apparently, they finished at quarter past eleven, so they were gone. Everyone was on the street. Now they need they need designated roads or designated parking for vehicles, not just pedestrians. Just keep pedestrians off with the vehicles down and back up. They have a perfect solution there. They can go down centre back road and they come up through the old Black Rock Road and let the pedestrians walk up to centre back road. Yeah, make a separate designated area for pedestrians and another area for buses and taxis. Exactly. Were there any buses collecting people outside? I didn't go down because to, to you couldn't get near it, yeah. Just too many people, that was too dangerous. And then you say there was a bottleneck then afterwards with people, oh, everybody was, trying to get taxis. There was no, no way people could get taxis after them. And because of the nature of a Rod Stewart concert, and it wasn't all young ones and young fellas oh, no, that were no, going no, to the concert, there was, there was a more mature the, audience. Mature and young. Yeah, yeah. So no, you would have had older yeah, people. Unfortunately, I think I think CIE left the city down. Instead of they should be putting on buses until twelve, half twelve, on a concert night. Yeah, have because extra I mean, have extra have buses on. People coming in from all over the country. Mm. I've had several people in my taxi stating, now from Galway and from other cities, and they said they wouldn't come back because there's no way they'd walk back from Parky Grave again. Too too awkward, too far. Uh, and people just said no choice, but they had to walk. They had to try. They had to walk, yeah. And when you were dropping people down to the concert, did any did was there any signs to say you wouldn't be able to come back? Were the Gardaí telling you you wouldn't? You know, you know, William, you you can drop people off now, but you have the hope of coming back and collecting anyone. The nearest we could, the nearest I dropped, was the the venue bar in Bellin Temple, because they wouldn't let us down temp, down the hill to the. To the to the um, venue because of the danger to the pedestrians. And what happens when there's a match on? Well, I don't think you'll have that many people. Well, you, sometimes you'll have a big crowd as a match, but... What you want of 35,000? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone else is making the point, but there isn't... Yeah, how many taxis would you need for 35,000 people? That's the problem. It, yeah, it, yeah. We need the, the, so it's public know, transport. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's public transport is, is what we need. If we're going to go ahead yeah. and have more of these concerts, then there's got to be enough buses, which is what they do... It's certainly what they do in, in Dublin. I remember at Slane all those years ago, you'd come out of Slane and there would be a line of Dublin buses to yeah, bring people to back into the city. Yeah, the yeah, they need to start doing something like that. Okay, and did you also want to comment on the deaths on our roads on the bank holiday weekends, William? I do indeed. Go on. Um, I, I, I've been to Australia to visit my daughter on numerous occasions. And the system they operate out there is it's double penalty points on bank holiday weekends. 
For well, if someone has caused speeding, they don't get three points, they get six. On a bank holiday weekend. On a bank holiday weekend, to yeah. record, I reckon it will cut out this eventually. Because people won't chance getting six points on their licence. Yeah, because it could put you off the road. It could put off the road in yeah. no time. Yeah. So just on bank holiday weekends. That's the only bank holiday weekends they put the double, they call it double demerits. And you'd, you'd operate what, from Friday evening until. Friday evening until Monday, Monday. morning. For speeding and. For everything. Okay, so any offence, any offence yeah. you get double the points. Double no the points. question, it's just because it's a bank holiday weekend. Yeah, it's just bank holiday weekend. Does it work in Australia? I was only visiting. Yeah. I was visiting my daughter, so. But people are very aware of the... Oh, God, yeah, the speed limits are very well adhered to in Australia. Yeah. My daughter would even give out to me if I went two, three kilometres over to the main road, the highways. Yeah. They're only 100k. Not 120, they're 100, and they don't go over it. Very few. But it would act as a good deterrent, wouldn't it, if you thought you were going to get double the points? Well, it's like, and it could go down to death. Yeah, months, I know, there was an awful lot this weekend, wasn't there, yeah, again? Every, every year, every year, year after year, it's happening. And the June bank holiday, for some reason, I don't know what yeah. it is, but the June bank holiday is always particularly bad. And and the Gardaí themselves and the Road Safety Authority will tell you a lot of them are it's down to speeding. It is down to speeding. All right, listen. Uh, one, la- one, la- one last. Go on. Issue. <laughs> Go on while you're on. I'm a Fianna Fáil man, staunch. Okay. Right. Labour. My friend, my daughter's friend, John Maher, got in in Labour. The only sitting councillor in the city. So oh. I reckon if there's any elections for the Dáil, John Maher should be the first nomination because there's no other sitting councillor. For Labour. For Labour, yep. Well, that'll be up to the Labour Party to nominate him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's the only one that's been nominated because he's the only sitting councillor. And do you think they will? <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. All right, we'll leave it there, William. Thank you for that. No uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. John O'Donovan from the City was on to say, I hear Fine Gael TDs and councillors are not happy at the increase in the cost of graves for areas of the county that have now moved into the city. The City Council have higher charges and funeral directors were informed at the end of last week of the new charges. I know he, John says, I now hear a lot of Fine Gael TDs coming out criticising the move. Yes, says John O'Donovan in the city. Can I please remind you that the death grant was removed under Fine Gael's watch. So they need to look closer to home before criticising changes in the way both councils operate in Cork. There seems to be a bit of of uh, arguments and discussions going on about uh, graves. I was reading on the paper this morning, you, you can't pre-book a grave. You know the way families might like to have buy two plots together and the idea is not being morbid but the year will be when we're all gone, we'll all be buried together, that kind of a thing. It seems now because they're running out of graveyard space, you're not allowed to pre-buy your plot. They only sell graveyards now in certain, I'm assuming this is certain cemeteries in the city they'll only sell a plot accordingly as some person dies so that they will have space you know when a funeral occurs rather than pre-booking graves and in, in the past people were able to pre-book their plot but that's it. I, I didn't realise the point John is making there that now part of the county has moved into the city it's no longer part of Cork County Council it's part of Cork City Council of course funerals 
cemeteries that were under the remit of Cork County Council will now go under the remit of, of the City Council and there are different charges. I wouldn't even have thought of something like that. But of course that in itself is going to cause problems uh, for people who live in the area and who feel uh, you know, they don't care whether they live under the City Council or the County Council. If they want to bury a loved one, they want to bury a loved one and they want to do it at a set uh, price. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we are back offering words of advice to students heading into the state exams tomorrow. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just a couple of quick texts and a listener says, Hi Patricia, there was more guard the cars and guard the vans on the road on the night after the Rod Stewart concert finished than buses and taxis. People were actually asking members of Garda Corner for lifts into the city. He was getting that uh, bad, says one listener. Somebody else says, you have uh, forty to 45,000 people at a match and they all get home on the same day. Why, why is there uh, such a kerfuffle when it's a concert? Maybe because it's late at night, is that it? I'm, I'm not too sure. And on the young lad who was driving the tractor and the silage machine and was listening to music. Somebody says, how does that listener know that that young lad was listening to music? He could have had ear protection on. If he was sitting on his ass at home, he'd be wrong too. People have no patience and no tolerance uh, anymore. And so and Catherine in Mallow says, Patricia, I, myself and my partner were going to Killarney last Sunday and a crew of bikers passed us at incredible speed. There should be tougher laws when it comes to bikers. Another fellow was swaying in and out of the traffic. They were actually going so fast, I couldn't get the registration number. Where were the Gardaí? And thank you to Liam in Domanway for a lovely text to say how he is enjoying the show. Thank you for that. OK, uh, Joe Heffernan uh, joins us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, And Patricia. it is the eve of the state exams yeah. uh, for the le- Leaving Cert and uh, Junior Cert. And I suppose the same piece of advice that goes out to uh, all of them. Try to relax, try to stay calm. OK, you've got some tips. Uh, firstly, good exam technique. Yeah, um, all very, very very down-to-earth common sense. Like, for example, whatever equipment... do We'll talk now about the night before the exam, which is going to be tonight. Um, there's any equipment you will need. Now, um, as simple as biros, make sure they work. The last thing you want is that you start to do your paper and uh, nothing, nothing comes out of the pen. Um, so, you know, stuff that you need. Now, I know that it starts with English, therefore... Uh, rulers, mathematical set, uh, calculator and all that aren't necessary at this stage. But one could make a note of it for the nights um, uh, preceding the uh, those kind of exams. Um, make sure that you have a watch, make sure that you have a couple of tissues, um, make sure that you have a bottle of water. D- those kind of things now. Um, uh, very, very ordinary things, but it can be off-putting if you arrive into the exam hall and you um, you realise that one of these little essentials uh, you 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 didn't bring with you, and uh, the last thing you need is any you know even minor upsets. Um, so have a little checklist um, for the for the for tomorrow morning. Um, uh, then. Um, I would always uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, reducing. That would be now what we'll call um, bullet points, uh, maybe on a card, maybe one of these five by seven or whatever they are, um, cards, those kind of hardish um, 
uh, chart cards, um, that you would learn nothing new at this stage, but you might have a little tiny run over, say, the main points for that... Um, particular subject. Particular subject. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, li- literally, um, bullet points. Um, but today is not the day to be learning anything new. Oh, God, no. Yeah. No, no, no. And I would say one thing to, 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 to the young people doing the exams, and I really genuinely, genuinely believe this. You know more than you think. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll have this idea... Uh, like no one, not even a computer screen, can sort of put up the whole lot in front on the monitor. Um, you know, uh, when when things need to be accessed tomorrow and the following days, they're, they're there mm. and they will be accessed. But you 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 can't kind of put it up on a on a on a on a, on a big cinema screen and see the whole lot. So. Don't be worrying about, oh my God, I've it all forgotten something because you, you don't. haven't. It's all stored. It, now, early to bed is the obvious yeah, one. Hard, yeah. hard one, but the obvious one. Yeah, yeah, maybe half 10, 11 o'clock. Okay. Um, a lot of people would recommend um, a nice hot bath. Now, I, I personally find a hot bath to be lovely and relaxing. Um, I'd kind of use a shower to wake up I'd be and, the same. And, and a bed too. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be the same. I can never shower last thing at night because that would just wake me up. I'd be awake for an hour. I wouldn't Absolutely. be able to get to sleep. And I know of other people that can do it, but certainly the bath works. Yeah, the so a nice works. bath. Yeah. And, um, you know, we would have often talked about maybe, you know, um, the little relaxation techniques. Now, the way to check, the, we all hear about deep breathing. And some people mistake deep breathing for harder breathing, uh, but it's not. Uh, shallow would be to the chest and deep would be, we'll say, down to the tummy. So when you breathe in, if you had your hands on your tummy, you should feel the tummy come out to meet the hands. Um, in other words, like on the inhale, the tummy should expand. Like if you if you blew into a balloon, it would expand. So if you breathe to the tummy, the tummy will expand. And if you find that it's the chest is expanding on the inhale, well then... You're not breathing deep enough. No, no, you need to change that. You need to get the breath uh, down past the chest into the tummy. And then just hold the breath for maybe, oh, two seconds. And then as you exhale... um, uh, just uh, enjoy the calming feeling because, again, I, I'd be saying this for so long that um, uh, anxiety is in the body, not in the mind. There's no, no, it's, 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 it isn't any great, adva- it isn't any advantage at all to be saying, calm down, calm down. Yeah. What you need to do is breathe. And if you can calm the body, the mind will follow. And that's a certainty. Okay, so hopefully a good night's sleep tonight. You get to bed on time and all of that. Uh, tomorrow morning, the last thing you need to do is sleep in. It's it's unlikely it will happen, but give yourself enough time in the morning. Absolutely. Um, I, a lot of people would even recommend um, the likes of, you know, two hours um, before the exam. Um, and when you, when, you, when you wake up and, um, you know, uh, of course, again, the body, the body will tell you that 
this is a big day. And, um, you know, one could have a little bit of the butterflies in the tummy. Um, you, a person mightn't feel like having anything to eat, but do, um, because you might feel a little bit, um, a, a little bit uh, sick in the tummy, a little bit. Um, you know, you might find that you're, uh, you know, uh, that little bit anxious, um, the bit of tension in the muscles. Well, a good breakfast is important, and that's where Mammy and Daddy have a role to play. Absolutely. In that having a good breakfast, having a, you know. Absolutely. And and with those little bodily um, uh, uh, signs of um, that one is um, ready to go, um, that's normal. And um, to just treat it as such, um, not to be giving yourself any negative messages about that, that is completely and utterly normal. It would be very strange if you were so laid back and relaxed on the morning of the exam that you didn't feel some little yeah. couple of these. Everyone is feeling the same way. It yeah. is normal and it will pass, even down to a slight headache. Some people get a tension headache. It will pass. You, you will be fine. So everything as calm as possible in the morning, into school in plenty of time, arrive at the exam hall in plenty of time. And then when, when you get in and you get handed the paper... Again, don't panic. Read the paper. That's one of the mistakes that some students still make. Yeah, and very important to do the old timing. I mean, if you're getting 50 marks for one question and if you're getting 15 for another, well, obviously, you're going to favour the 50 mark question um, uh, time wise. You're going to give it, well, you're going to give it three times as much. Um, because there's three times as many marks. And to remember as well, to read the instructions very, very carefully. I mean, it's a shame when one come out of an exam, and I've done it myself, where it says, like, answer three of the following. And I find that I've answered either four or two because I didn't read really the instructions. In yeah. the, uh, the, the, the thing carefully. The other thing would be have it glance down through and see... Which uh, which question kind of comes at you as, hmm, I wouldn't mind doing that one now. That's, uh, I'd be on top of that. And maybe um, uh, put a little tick beside it as um, it might be the first one that you would do. And highlight or underline then the important words in the sentence. Like, for example, uh, compare is different to contrast. Um I mean, compare, you're looking for likenesses between this and that, and contrast, you're looking for differences between this and that. So, I mean, if it says compare the the, the, the two points of view above or something like that. Then compare, don't contrast. Don't contrast. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. that goes back again to make sure you re- you've taken the time to read, read the paper. And yeah. then, as you said earlier on, you do know more than you think you know, so, so don't be panicking. Get through all of the questions. Are you an advocate of staying in the room until the exam is finished? I would be, yeah, yeah. because um, there's no harm at all in allowing a nice little bit of time. Like I would say, when you've answered, say, a question one, now whether that could be four or five or whatever, but when you've answered your first question, leave a nice little gap of maybe 10 or 12 lines blank before you um, begin the next one. So that on reflection at the end of the exam, you might say, oh, golly, I never mentioned that now. 
And you can stick in a few bullet points, maybe, at the end of the question, which kind of clears that up. Mm. But if you're after putting uh, your second question up tight against the first one, well, you've no room. So leave a gap at the end of each question so as that you can interrupt a bit um, on having a read over at the end. That's a good idea. And then you leave the hall and I know all the friends, all the mates, how are you? What did you do? What did you put for question three? Oh, I didn't put that. (laughs) You Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't have the post-mortem on the paper. No. No, the post-mortems are not a good idea at all because invariably uh, one will focus on the one little thing that they didn't mention and they won't give themselves the good feeling of the nine things that they did mention. So, yeah, and it serves no purpose because you can't go back in and add on the little bit anyway. That paper is finished, draw a line under it and you're you're focused on the next one. Absolutely. And at this stage, all those little bodily things and all would have settled down because once you get going, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the... the butterflies and the it little headachy thing yeah, in the wall has to be easier. all gone. And then when when the son or the daughter comes home to mammy or daddy or mammy and daddy are waiting outside to collect them, uh, to bring them home, you've got to be careful here as well. Why, as a parent, you're desperate to know how the exam went. Don't overdo the questioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just kind of, how did it go? And you'll probably get a monosyllabic syllabic answer like, um, fine. It might even and, be a grunt. Huh? It might even be a grunt. It might <laughs> even be that. And the thing is, leave it there. I mean, the most important thing now is the nice cup of tea or the nice cup of coffee, maybe a little bun. Well, if it was me now, definitely a bit of, a bit of cock and middish would go down very well. And, um, uh, you know, a little bit of TLC. Yeah. Because... Um, this is a big day. This is a big deal for the young person. Yeah. And then focus, get them to focus again. Next paper, moving yeah. along. And yeah. everybody else in the house, you, you, do you make allowances for moods and doors being slammed and huffing and puffing? And <laughs> Indeed you do. Yeah. Indeed you do. People are under that bit of pressure. And, um, you know, none of us is perfect under pressure. Um, you know, we'll be a bit tetchy. We'll be a little bit... Um, uh, maybe not hearing what's being said to us a bit at times. And um, yeah, yeah, make allowances. It's a tough old time. And it isn't the end of the world, but it's, it's hard to get that no, across. No, that's to... the other big thing. You're, you're an ever, to, to each candidate, I would say, like, you, you know, you are not defined by um, uh, marks in an exam. There are several types of intelligences and we'll say emotional intelligence is a very, very important one to have empathy for other human beings. Now, that might be an awful lot more important than getting an A1. Mm. For example, I would rather attend uh, a doctor uh, with empathy than maybe the fellow who got first in everything and was more of a scientist than a than a than an attending physician. Do you you know yeah, what I mean? I do, I do, yeah. I do. Yeah. And there's there is a career choice and a career path for everyone. everyone. It's just unfortunate, and we've all been there. We any of us that did the leaving cert, we all know it was like we all went through it. But and when you go through it, you just have to go through it. But there's light at the at the end of the tunnel. Good luck. Indeed good is, good yeah. luck to everybody. Listen, have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you next week, Joe. Thank you for thanks for that. That's Joe Heffernan. Joe runs a uh, counselling practice in Bohuk. Where his number is zero two nine seven six six one seven. And we have further advice and exam techniques for the state exams. 
online at c103.ie and the C103 app and that's with our career guidance counsellor Roisin Kelleher and I've been told that there is an oil spill on the Mitchellstown to Kildare Road. Please drive with care. The signs wasn't right. I was stupid for a while, swept away by you, and now I feel like the fool. So confused, my heart's bruised. Was I ever? That's music from Gabrielle on C103 and that is a track called Out of Reach. That's where I leave you for today. Uh, thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced back with you uh, tomorrow. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. 
Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.